You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. Keep on, huh? What a week. How do you keep on after this one? It's been tough on women, tough on people who have been hurt, It floods into my therapy office. It's been challenging me as a person who follows Jesus. I apologize if you came hoping to get away from this. I decided I couldn't. So I abandoned the other sermon I was writing after sitting on Thursday and I wrote this sermon. (laughs) Uh, Anger. Rage, attacks. What do you think? Sexual violence, bullying, disrespect, butting in. It was really hard to watch. But I watched. I watched for hour after hour after hour, as I imagine some of you did as well. I watched because I'm kind of an old woman now. I'll say more about that in just a minute. I also watched the Anita Hill hearing during the Clarence Thomas confirmation 27 years ago. I watched then, weeping and enraged. I've lived through the tumult of cultural changes happening around us since the 60s. I want to reflect on how those movements impact me, have impacted me, and I think have impacted Christians generally. I feel embarrassed to have this demonstration of another entitled white man using his faith as a defense maneuver. The idea Kavanaugh put forth that he went to church like he brushes his teeth every day that his faith is a given. Wow, I I found that almost the most deeply disturbing thing that he said. But as I considered this a little longer, it dawned on me that taking our faith as a given may be the core of what's wrong here that allows him to be dismissive and focused on the aggrandizement of power, his own power. His use of faith when he said, I swear to God, using God as part of his defense, this is a hallmark of the problem I'd like us to consider together tonight. The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan was published first in 1963. I was 10 years old. I didn't read it until I was in my first year of college, eight years later, but it began a long journey for me as a Christian woman, trying to figure out my world and myself and my place or purpose as a follower of Jesus. One of the concepts that I picked up from Friedan that God really used to push me forward was her analysis of this movement in our culture away from change or growth as a focus and instead placing the emphasis on functionality. I think she was 
right on the mark with this shift. My field of psychology figured in this disastrous shift rather largely. Um, and so I, I think that this is an incredibly important cultural shift to pay attention to as Christians. This is what my copy of The Feminine Mystique looked like, a little book with a big message. I want to offer a little bit of history tonight as we think together about all of this. But first, a little bit of my own personal context as I came to this particular week. So here's my context. That's Joey there. She's two. That's Josiah and Brendan. Josie's my oldest. He's almost 12, will be 12 this year. That's Hannah. That's me and Theo. We're celebrating my 65th birthday this week. These are the people I celebrated with, and it's been a very reflecting kind of week for me. Turning 65, sort of approaching this big milestone. So I've been thinking about the world that I'm leaving behind for these little people who own my heart. So this concept, beginning with Freud, by the way, of a shift to functionality was a big deal. Friedan wrote about Freud's ideas and how they sparked a cultural shift toward functionality. Now, there's been a lot written since Freud about his perspective as a white male. He was radically biased. He was a creature of his cultural milieu. He defined women and men according to biological drives. Anatomy is destiny. Strength of body over character. Sex as a virtue, not a sin. Nothing was truly a vice anymore, so we didn't need to change. We just needed to find a way to be more functional. The goals we spent our lives on began to change then with this. No longer were we interested in the development of a virtuous self, but the development of a functional self. Stay with that. Think about that. Particularly, a functional being, was what we were supposed to be developing, would be related to our ability to work and our ability to love, which Freud focused mostly on sex itself. So I'm here now at 65. I'm almost six feet tall. I've been this tall since eighth grade. I don't and I didn't then fit in the cultural mandate for the desirable woman. If women's function was sexual, I deviated from the cultural norm of what should be going on. I was an athlete at a time when women were not supposed to engage heavily in sports, but I loved to swim. And I had a coach for a few years who convinced me that he loved me and thought that I had lots of potential. I trained for six hours a day, before school, after school, under Dave's tutelage. My hair was green from the chlorine but no one at my school knew why. I was competitive before I knew not to be. I wanted to be best in math. 
I was crushed when I wasn't. I drove my mother crazy. And then I became a Christian. I poured my heart into loving Jesus who loved me. I read lots of theology and lots of the Bible. That really wasn't what girls were supposed to be doing either. Church made no sense to me at all with its forms and roles. And since I'd heard about Jesus outside of the church in the context of a parachurch organization, I just stayed there. But even there, I didn't quite fit in the roles assigned to the girls. I wanted to talk about the relationship I was discovering with Jesus. I wanted to pursue Jesus intellectually and emotionally, and I wanted to understand the full scope of the gospel. My Republican relatives began to squirm when I challenged the accumulation of wealth and the racism that became very evident to me, even at 16, and didn't square at all with the gospel I was reading in the New Testament. It all went hand in hand for me. The gospel was about relationship with the living God who loved us and called us into radical change, not, func not functionality. I caught the vision of a world organized around love, not power, and I was hooked. When men around me used their power in subtle and not so subtle ways, it confused me. I felt a kind of deep shame for who I was as female, even while I was experiencing this new love, this abiding love, this radical change that particularly began to challenge how I saw myself in the world and what I was called to do and to be. A lot of my thinking over the week, this week, as I approached my birthday, goes back to how my grandchildren will end up looking at themselves. As a psychologist, this is sort of a pivotal point of change when people struggle. How we look at ourselves, if we get change there, we get long-term transformation. So I'm worried about how my grandkids are learning to look at themselves. It's going to be shaped dramatically by where they live and when they live. It's shaped by the major cultural thoughts that flood all around us, particularly all the messages that come to us about who we are, about how we see ourselves in a world like ours, where the Senate Judiciary, Judiciary Committee acted as it did like that, the message about who women are and what they can do or what can be done to their bodies, the message even about who men are and what they can do with their bodies. These messages are awful. They are also false. How we think about ourselves is badly misshapen I've listened to countless women tell me stories of abuse and assault that they accepted as normal behavior. They accepted as normal behavior. This message is not a Christian message. My entire Christian journey has been about becoming more, about becoming more and more of who God thinks I am 
rather than who my culture tells me to be. I want to repeat that. I think this is our journey, that we become more and more of what God thinks we are, rather than what our culture tells us to be. I pray often and worry more than I'd like to admit about how to teach my little people to oppose the mandates of the culture and how to turn to our relationship with God to truly learn who we are. There was an article in the New York Times near the end of August that really caught my attention. It's by Will Storr. He also wrote a book called Selfie, How We Got to Be So Self-Absorbed. And I think he's really, really on to something. Storr is tracking the shift that's taken place in our current way of life. And he, in particular, pays attention to our economies. Note this startling quote that he uses from way back in the 90s. This is from Margaret Thatcher, England's prime minister, between 1979 and 1990. This is corresponding to the Reagan presidency in the United States. This is a huge cultural shift that was going on. And she said it. Economics are the method. The object is to change the soul. And as Storr, I think, rightly tracks, that is precisely what has happened. As Friedan had pointed out earlier in The Feminine Mystique, focusing women's identities on their roles as wife, mother, this new term, homemaker, because she's not on the farm anymore, so now she's a homemaker, meant that the women kept buying things for the home. And this drove the World War, post-World War II economy. It was really good for the people and the corporations that wanted to make money. It did nothing for the women or their families particularly. We shifted and became individual consumers. We became a part of this culture that was busy to convince us to buy things rather than to be related to one another as people. The economy really did become a method to change our souls. And this, I believe, is absolutely insidious and gets us to the place where we can have what we had on Thursday. Our identities are not safe. Our identities are not safe if they are based on the roles we function in. Even the roles we might like, the roles we might accept, the roles we might seek. Wife, mother, friend, boss. This is a cataclysmic shift. Back to store. Here's a quote. The relentless focus on the individual combined with an increasingly harsh economic environment for the ordinary person has proved toxic for our mental health. We individualists are great at crediting ourselves for our victories. Thus, some of you remember being called entitled. But we are just as good at blaming ourselves for failure. 
And today, exacerbated by the rise of social media, more and more of us are feeling like failures." End quote. Do you hear the chant about who you are supposed to be in the midst of this? Perfect or a failure? No other options. This or that? Please note, neither are true. They are a fabrication of an identity. They are not an identity. They are even more damaging than the former ones like Homemaker because they exclude relationship other than the artificial relationship that is constructed between a person and a product sold to that person to make them more functional, more able to get along and get ahead. We trade our birthright for a bowl of porridge again. One more quote from the store article. We call such sensitivity to signals of failure perfectionism. This mode of thinking is a predictor of self-harm, depression, and suicide. A 2017 study by Koran and Hill of over 40,000 students in the US, England, and Canada found that between 1989 and 2016, the extent to which people felt that they had to display perfection to secure approval had risen by a staggering 33%. That's a third. An adult morbidity survey in England shows that between 2000 and 2014, in those 14 years, the number of adults reporting self-harm more than doubled. In the United States, rates of anxiety and depression in adolescents are rising, and despite widespread adoption of antidepressants that's been going on in our country since 1980, the United States suicide rate rose by 24% between 1999 and 2014." End quote. We are in a huge mess in our culture because we have lost our way. We are trying so hard to be functional, to fill a role we believe will fulfill us. We are laboring under an unbearable load, and worse yet, we think this burden is our freedom. So what I think we should do is take back our souls. Start by changing your thinking and let's please learn how to teach our children to change theirs. So from now on we don't look at anyone the way the world does. At one time, we looked at Christ in this way, but we don't anymore. When anyone lives in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. 
He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross, and he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. This is psychological safety. It's here in this transformation rather than in functionality. This is the only safe identity. Our purpose is in Christ. Our freedom is in Christ. This is the heart of the gospel. We are in a relationship now with God in Christ. God is our all in all. You can't be too religious. You might be mistaken about belief or practice. It was years into my walking with Jesus before I could grasp how deeply damaged I'd been by the people who convinced me that God didn't want a woman to teach or preach. It was a long time praying before I began to see how I devalued myself because I was female. Regardless of the oppression outside of me, that internal tyrant was the unbearable, life-crushing element in my life. My own view of myself as less than, my condemning of myself when I wanted to think and write and talk and plan and direct and lead. I think that's true for all of us. We internalize these tyrants and they create life-crushing voices within us. Christ demanded that I change this diminished and degraded view of myself. And I'll have to tell you, it didn't happen because I listened to a sermon. The sermons were still an awful lot of the condemning stuff that I know you've heard before in many Christian circles. Christ demanded it of me. He led me to the still waters and restored my soul, as Psalm 23 proclaims. You know, the Apostle Paul gets a pretty bad rap about women, but I think if you read him through a different lens, and we can talk about this maybe another day, uh, <laughs> that uh, we misunderstand what he's talking to us about when he's speaking about women. But he is repeating and repeating and repeating the truth about who we are in Christ. He starts every one of his letters over and over telling his listeners, telling Christians just like us who they are in Christ. This is the thing. Romans 1, I am sending this letter to all of you in Rome. You are the loved by God and appointed to be his holy people. Beginning of Corinthians, you have been made holy because you belong to Christ Jesus. God has chosen you to be his holy people. He has done the same for all people everywhere who pray to our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is their Lord and ours. Galatians, Jesus gave his life for our sins. He set us free from this evil world. That was what our God and Father wanted. Ephesians, I am sending you this letter, God's holy people in Ephesus, because you belong to Christ Jesus, you are faithful. 
the Philippians, we are sending this letter to you, all God's holy people in Philippi. You belong to Christ Jesus. The Colossians, we are sending this letter to you, our brothers and sisters in Colossae. You belong to Christ. You are holy and faithful. Thessalonians, you belong to God, the Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ. He said the exact same thing when he wrote him back in second. You belong to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who you are. This is who I am. When our culture abuses us and continues ancient injustices, we must listen deeply to the spirit who tells us the truth again and again. You are the beloved of God. Take back your soul by fleeing into prayer, by questioning the ways that power is used and abused around you and in you. Let everything you say and do be about Jesus. Let what happens to your soul, see, I'm sorry, see what happens to your soul when you let that be. You are the beloved of God. It's been living my life in this community, in Circle of Hope, for the last 20 plus years, seeking to serve you and Jesus and being served by you and Jesus, that I have found my way to joy and freedom. I sat in front of my television this week, weeping, sometimes shouting, but knowing that I could bear this, even if a bully who simply demands that he deserves credit and honor and position without regard for behavior wins more power, even if he does. Just by the way, can you imagine what the scene might have been like in the Senate room if Christine Blasey Ford expressed her anger as Kavanaugh did his? Or what if a black man behaved that way, shouting over senators, throwing questions back in the face of inquirers, remaining silent and glaring in the face of this horrific display of dominance, we must renew our belief, the ground on which we stand. Those who are born again by the Spirit, changed, not made more functional, but transformed, will see the kingdom of God. This is who we are. Our culture passes out identities as if they were poker chips and the game is rigged. Truth is not honored. We are judged by different standards according to systemic racism, misogyny, and every other kind of evil. But that is not who we are. And we were not made for such chaos. We are disturbed because we have buried We've buried this longing that we have, and it won't go away. It's a longing for the rest that comes from living in the reality of a love we crave that bears all shame, all guilt, all blame for us.
We are tempted to turn away because we can't tolerate shame, guilt, blame, outrage. We feel it and we don't know what to do with it. This turning away leaves us victims and accusers, the bullied and the bullies, all broken to bits in our poverty. Take back your soul. Live in the reality of your Christian heritage. Live in your relationship with Christ. Listen to the spirit of the living God declare you free, loved, regarded, seen as worthy of notice, known, embraced with tenderness. Go to sleep tonight reminding yourself that God is delighted in you. Wake up tomorrow morning and tell yourself again that God is delighted in you. Let's spend our week that way. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.